Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Body's First Eleven. I'm here with Graham Runyon's looking back on his career and this is benefit season. And uh, Graham, we've already talked about your test debut, but uh, your second test appearance was also an important one for you. Yeah, it was, uh, I suppose, an extra special one, really. Um, I remember my first, me, well, obviously my debut, I, I got picked and played at Lords in only a two-test match series and I didn't realise the second game was actually at Durham. So, of course... Uh, we, we we got the first one out of the way, which was which is a little bit of relief at Lords um, uh, at the home of cricket, and then obviously making that long journey from 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 London to the northeast, and it was a I suppose an extra special one being at the at the ground which I've I've played all my career. Yeah, I, I guess when people like uh, uh, Don Robson and Jeff Cook first set up Durham as a first class county, this was the kind of the occasion they were dreaming of uh, not just a test match but against a real heavyweight test country in West Indies Yeah absolutely, um, I think uh, what, what the club had done, I remember thinking at the time uh, oh, I, I suppose I can look back now and think at the time that it was a massive game, it was one of the first games that that uh, that Durham had had and to obviously be involved with that um, and kind of give something back to the club, I, I suppose that's the way I looked at it because I remember at the time I just wanted to go out there and perform as well as I possibly could and it was kind of hard to believe that I was there and I was I was kind of playing in front of the team and I mean that round of applause that I got from the um you know, from the Lumley end, um, that massive cheer that I got was was amazing. I, it, I, you know, I'll never f- kind of forget that really. And as well as being important in its own right, as you mentioned, this was the the second match of a two test series, and the next test match was going to be an Ashes one. So I guess you wanted to really make your mark. Yeah, I, I mean, you always, I, I've always been the type of person that you you, you want to do as well as you can in, in every game and every session, and I suppose every time you get the ball in your hand, and and it was no different really. I was very much in a in a zone where I, I just wanted to play, I just wanted to enjoy myself. You know, it was only your second test match, so in a way, even if I <laughs> my mentality at the time was even if I'd done badly, the, the, you know, they couldn't really drop me because it was only two games, so that would give me a little bit of a run. Uh, I mean, that was, I suppose I look back at it now and a little bit naive and a little bit of wishful thinking, but, you know, it kind of worked. You know, that I think my performances in the two test matches and uh, especially at home where I was probably a little bit more nervous than, than normal, um, just purely because I wanted to do so well. My family were on the doorstep and, and, and watching and uh, obviously familiar surroundings. Um, it was it was a massive uh, moment and obviously when it comes to the cricket side of things, there's a, a few things went my way and a few things didn't. Uh, we talk about Chris Gale hitting me for some massive sixes, but uh, you know that's that, that's what the West Indies can do. Really, I suppose a little bit unpredictable. Yeah, and and I guess you're probably under a, under a bit of pressure because quite unfairly over the course of your career, you've been seen as this sort of Chesterley Street specialist. So I guess whenever you're a, an international bowler bowling on your home ground, there's a lot of expectation that you, that you'll be you know one of the chief weapons. Yeah, I mean I, I was I still cast myself as although I was getting to a stage in my career where I was I was gaining a, a lot more experience and. I of course I was becoming a bit more reliable as I was still quite 
I, I, well, I, in my eyes, I was still quite young. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially in the in the Test match arena, playing on my second Test match. But you know, we had we had the coach and Andy Flower just you know asking me like, what's the wicket going to be like? What's what's the conditions? Where's the rain coming from? What's this? And and of course, I was. I was nervous. I, I didn't really know what to say, and of course, I was. Um, I was just trying to be ultra positive, really, and um, you know, it worked out well in the end. You know, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the the, uh, the game. Uh, we had a day rained off, but in the end, we won the series, and we, you know, we had the champagne, and absolutely, it was absolutely freezing. Now, to be honest, I remember. Um, the, the West Indies turned up and they were uh, on one of the days it was freezing and they just had no interest in playing really and yeah. that that's sometimes what you what you get when you play against the West Indies yeah as you say the we the weather was a real talking point and and partly because of it you weren't involved at all in the f in the first couple of days I remember that, that first day was particularly cold and uh, England ended up um, over the course of uh, over the course of the day racking up um, racking up 302 runs for two so you'd have just been sat on your backside watching most of that and then yeah. the second day it rains it was so. a yeah, perfect two days yeah, really exactly, yeah, part -time <laughs> job. From, from a bowler's point of view it was a perfect couple of days really uh no i, I remember um after the day's playing and I'd, I had some of my mates um came to see us and of course nobody nobody at that time you know you had kevin peterson saying oh well, why are we coming to the northeast to play and it's miles away from the home of cricket in london and and of course strauss cuckoo are miles away they all had they all had tickets that I could use and give to me mates and I suppose at the end of the day they were all enjoyed the hospitality at Durham and, and they had a great day but of course I was like well it, it was st it was a you want to get involved in the game straight away yes. and you, you know I'm, I'm, I'm sure like a, like a footballer you want to touch the ball and you get involved and you know we warmed up and and obviously the second day was rained off and I was champing at the bit I was I was desperate to, to kind of get involved and uh, I suppose the way it goes as a, as a fastballer is that you're thankful, thankful for days off and we put in a pretty solid batting performance obviously scoring heavily in that first innings and putting ourselves into a strong position and probably one aspect where you were, you were perhaps glad not to be involved yeah. um, Ravi Bapara was out late in the day uh, he'd made a he made a hundred, and uh, a night watchman was needed, and Jimmy Anderson was sent out. Well, I remember there, w there was a discussion. They were saying, "Oh, well, who's going to go out there?" And they said to me, "Bunny, do you fancy it?" And I said, "Oh, well, I'll kind of do whatever you want, really." But I knew in tongue and cheek, I was thinking, "Well, bearing in mind, I got a first ball duck, and I didn't see the ball at all against Phil Fidel Edwards, and he was bowling at absolute speed of light." So thankfully, um, I must have went to the toilet or something and tried to avoid the conversation. But uh, Jimmy had his pads on by, by the time I come out, and I was thinking, "Oh, uh, thank goodness for that." Um, and he, he ended up getting out there, and he was bowling that cook, I think it was, and he was bowling eighty mile an hour. And then to Ravi Baparo, he was bowling. Uh, sorry, to to Jimmy Adam, uh, Jimmy Anderson, he was probably bowling ninety four mile an hour, absolute rockets. Um, so I was thinking, oh, I'd rather rather Jimmy than me, that's for sure. Yeah, and I guess as a, a as a fast bowler, it was an ideal situation when you did finally get in five hundred and sixty nine runs on the board. I think that's the most runs ever been scored uh, in in any match uh, mm. at uh, at the river at the Riverside under those conditions and. Uh, I guess runs on the board is something you always want. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially at Durham, you know, people always say, you know, what? I mean, that's another one of the questions. Like, what's a good score? What's the wicket going to be like? And I mean, the Test match wicket at Durham is obviously slap bang in the middle, and it's it generally plays well. Um, 
I mean, obviously, the, the test match grounds generally want to want the, the games to be going the whole five days. Um, but the, I think the West Indies obviously just just bowled the wrong line and length really on that wicket. Uh, it's very much um, a pitch up wicket and, and get the ball to move off the seam really. Um, and the West Indies just they didn't quite uh, pitch the ball up as much as as they could have really. So. Um, and I think we obviously with with Jimmy Anderson, uh, Jimmy Anderson being the best swing bowler in, the, in well potentially in the world. Uh, certainly at the time he was certainly in England the best swing bowler. Um, going back a few years and he he was phenomenal. I remember it swung. It was cold, but it swung and um, you know pretty much unplayable really. Mm, yeah, I mean he, t- he took three wickets in the first hour, and I, I, I guess as a as a young bowler, you, you probably watched him and, and learned an awful lot just from, I don't know where you were standing, at mid-on, mid-off or wherever I w- it was. But Yeah, I was. I, was stand, I remember standing at mid-on and I was trying to pick his brain about what he's going to do, but, you know, he very much gets in the in the zone. And he was just, he was swinging it both ways and uh, away to the lefties and, you know, away from the righties. So, he, you know, he's, he's just got that knack of, of producing, uh, you know, wonderful spells. And I think that, that, that day I remember, you know, Thinking, you know, it's, it, it's great to watch this. I want to, I want to be involved with it more. Yes, because I, I guess Jimmy probably of, of all the bowlers playing that day, it was probably the the one you'd most look to emulate, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I think, you know, for my style of bowling, um, you know, a skiddy kind of pitch it up. He, he's exactly what he. Uh, what I want to kind of emulate, really. It's what I want to try and be. You know, if I, I've always said, you know, if I. Um, do half of what Jimmy's done in his career then uh, you know I've had a pretty good career and uh, obviously hasn't quite worked out that way but equally I've, I've you know I've kind of learned a lot of things from from the best um, and he's you know he is England's best bowler and I suppose I'm kind of proud that I've played for England and in, in, in the same side as him. And as we discussed in an earlier podcast you, you managed to take five wickets at Lords but I guess it Again, you, t- you talked already about the reception. I guess to get that first wicket uh, when when you got uh, Jerome Taylor out, I guess that must have been a special moment. For you. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it's like, it's one of those moments, you know, where you you sometimes don't. You just want to soak up the atmosphere and kind of enjoy yourself. And I, I just remember I remember it being cold, but I felt good. You know, mm. I, I think I got into a spell. Uh, so I've always said to anybody, you know, you get into your spell and you warm up and you get yourself going. And um, thankfully, you know, the, the captain just just let me let me kept like, you know, kept kept me going really. Um, and once you're in the spell and you, you don't want to stop really because a you'll get cold and you know b you you, you if you feel com- feel confident and comfortable in in what you're doing then you just want to keep on going. Yes, and with all the rain about, I, I guess when you managed to bowl West Indies out short of the follow-on mark. I imagine it was a fairly straightforward decision about uh, putting them back in. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, you had obviously Straussy and, and Andy Flower that were talking about what's the weather going to be like, and they were asking me, you know, where does it normally come from? And uh, of course, as a bowler, you always look at the follow-on. You always think, oh, don't don't follow on because you like to put your feet up. But of course, having them two for the, them two days, uh, day one and two, rained off. Uh, oh, sorry. Had having well, the bowlers having their Not feet up. Involved, yeah. yeah, we 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 basically had a, a great opportunity to try and win the series uh, there and then, and you know, thankfully it, it went that way, and we bowled we bowled beautifully. Yeah, I mean, the, the West Indies, as we all know, have been going through a bit of a, a transitional period the, the last few years, the last couple of decades, really. But when you look at the scorecard and you look at some of the names on it, Chris Gale, 
Ramnaresh Sawan was in brilliant form, especially mm. against England at that time. Shivnarine Chandapal's record against England was mm. was amazing. Um, it was a pretty formidable um, batting lineup you were up against. Yeah, it was. We had. Nice. Um, I mean, obviously Sawan was a was one of the big ones, really. But you you look at the top of order and you think that like, you know Chris Gill. You know what could he potentially do if he's on song? Uh, I think my. I think that the tactics throughout the uh, the two the two test match series was just to to kind of ball on his hip if you've got the skill to try and get the ball to go away from him he's, he's he can't score you know any kind of width or anything anything straight he'll generally try and hit straight back over your head um and <laughs> I remember in that second innings, I, I came on the ball and he kind of ruined me figures a little bit you know he had two six, two monster sixes um out the ground straight at, the, at Durham, you know, the, the, which are which were big hits. Um, but then I eventually got him out, so it was uh, caught. Andrew Strauss um, kind of rose a little bit. Uh, you know, it was uh, you know I, I was I was delighted. The the the, the second innings, the two wickets that I got, um, especially Gail, were, were, were more meaningful than the first innings, I think, because I I felt as I settled down. Obviously, I got into the fight a little bit more because Gail started hit me around a little bit, but. I I just wanted to try and get in there and kind of show you, show everybody what I was about. Yeah, and and just describe to us what it what it's like to be playing on the winning side for your country on your home ground in front of all your friends and family. Well, I mean, I I, I remember that there was nobody, there was nobody really there. Mm. Uh, it was quite it was because it was freezing again, um, and my family were there, and and. I think throughout my career I've been given an unbelievable opportunity by Durham and for me I felt as though I'd kind of done Durham proud and that, that's that's what it was all about. Of course I was I was delighted that I got a few wickets and I was, I was picked a player for England but for me playing at your home ground was just something that I, w- I was immensely proud of um, something that I've, uh, I didn't think I would ever do. Yes. Um, of course, you always got that ambition, and you always think, well, if I if I take enough wickets and I bowl well enough, I've always got a chance to play for my country. But playing for your country on your home ground and um, and doing well is and winning a series is is uh, going to say it's very much a cliche, but a dream come true. Yeah, and I guess when when the Riverside was first built, obviously there was the ambition to get test matches and big test matches there, but to then have yourself and Paul Collingwood two homegrown players playing there it was really what what the whole the whole Durham project to use another cliche was all about yeah and I, I remember you know you go through your contract talks um, you know with Dave Harker and, and he, he, he was very very honest and very much you know we want to produce Durham cricketers that are going to represent England mm. and, and that's always been their philosophy yeah and I look back at it now and I think to myself well that's I mean that's that's amazing to have that to have to have a chief executive that's willing to to, to put money in and, and and back you. I mean, there was times where I've gone away from this 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 test a little bit, but there was obviously times where um, he, maybe he thought you know these guys maybe aren't good enough. Mm. Yeah, young lads coming through, but ultimately that when you perform. Uh, for your country on your home ground and you're do, doing well that he must he must be very proud but also it's, it's a case of I suppose a little bit of relief taken off your shoulders because you think to yourself well he's backed me a lot and I've gave him what he what he wanted really and, and that, that's what it's all about yeah and uh, I guess when you when you look at the Riverside I mean when, when you first started to play it, it was still being built around you wasn't it so for it, for it now to be a really top class international 
venue must be must be something that gives you a lot of satisfaction. It is, it is, yeah. I mean, still a young county. We won a lot of trophies. We've got a great um, kind of mor- morale and stuff in, in the dressing room. And, and most importantly, I mean, I know that the grounds and everything's fantastic. Can still improve. Can still get get bigger. It can still be one of the best grounds in the world. Uh, but what what Durham still still do is that they haven't forgot about the homegrown talent you know yeah. we've got a lot of a lot of guys uh, over the years that have won trophies and you look around that change room and people who have put big performances that are that are from the area from from the northeast and uh people who are very proud and even the guys that that come from overseas understand that uh, i've always said it's like having an extra player uh, having having guys that are uh, from from the northeast and, and so desperate to do well and I think it's I think that's still credit to the club and and to Jeff Cook and also the players I think they I think they deserve credit for for wanting to keep on improving and getting better. So to look back on this series as a whole because we've we've already talked in an earlier podcast which you can uh, listen to if you haven't yet about uh, about the Lord's Test match when you made your debut two Test matches in as we said you got the excitement of an Ashes series to come. Did you did you feel that you were? I know you won't say you felt you were established because we've we've kind of talked mm. about this before. But did you feel you feel you're giving yourself a real chance of competing for a place in that Ashes series? Then? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I think I was slightly guilty of looking ahead, you know, because because ultimately people kept on saying, "Oh, well, this is the build-up towards the Ashes. It's yeah. important that England perform well. You know, England should win." Uh, against the West Indies comfortably, although they're a good sign, there's still a lot of good players. In English conditions against the West Indies, in, in the cold weather, people were saying, oh, this should be comfortable. Mm. And it worked out being comfortable in the end, but for me, I was just thinking, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm very naive, I'm just playing for my country and I'm loving it. If, if that opportunity to, to play against the bitter rival that comes, then that that's that would be amazing. But um, I suppose in the back of my mind, I did always think, oh, I could, I could play against the best, like say your Pontons and stuff like that, and and show people how how good it would be. Because cause players do talk, they do say, oh, we're coming into an Ashes summer, everything's magnified, um, which it is. But I think for me, I, I was just loving there and then playing at home. Um, I think we might add a couple of games in between the series and then obviously going towards the the Ashes the Ashes summer I suppose Excellent well, thank you very much Graham. Thank you That was episode 6 of Bunny's First Eleven hope you enjoyed listening tune in in two weeks time to hear about the day when Graham Onions was denied 10 wickets in an innings by his own run out This of course is Graham's benefit year and if you want to find out more about the various events that are taking place to raise money for Graham and his charities visit www.com grahamonionsbenefityear.co.uk Thank you and goodbye.